the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Bob France Authority, broadcasting live from our nation's capital at the Federation for American Immigration Reform, holding their feet to the fire on AM 1420, The Answer. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us for the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer is we get launched this morning at six minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Wednesday, the fifth morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Thank you so much for joining us as we are at a very, very special place this morning, broadcasting live from Washington, D.C., the heartbeat of our government. We just steps away from the Capitol, from the Senate office buildings, the House office buildings. We are here with the Federation of Americans for Immigration Reform. We've talked about this for the last several weeks. I've been looking forward to holding their feet to the fire 2018, which is what the name of the uh, 12th annual event is. Holding their feet to the fire. What does that mean? That means we are going to try to hold our elected officials, our lawmakers, accountable. We want to hold them uh, to the promises that they made, that uh, they gave, well, and uh, the promises they made to us and the power that we gave them when we said, come to Washington, D.C., and fix our immigration system, secure our borders, protect our people, protect our sovereignty. We all know that the President of the United States is working very hard for that, and so are a lot of very important elected officials. And I am joined by one of them right now, Congressman Lou Barletta from Pennsylvania, joining us uh, right here on AM 1420, The Answer from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Congressman, thank you for stepping in this morning. We really appreciate your time. Uh, Good to talk to you. So, Congressman... um, you know, we're going to talk about what you intend to do. Um, you know, in this endeavor, just in the time that you have left in the House, but you're also running for the Senate too. We're going to talk about the importance of that. Tell me why you made yourself available to all of these sixty-plus conservative radio talk show hosts who descended here on DC to bring this very important issue to light for for our you know, your constituents and, and for our listeners. So I've been doing this uh, since I was mayor, I guess, back in two thousand eight. Um, because I've dealt with it at, at the local level. I was the first mayor in the country to uh, pass an ordinance in dealing with the problem of illegal immigration. I saw what it did to our city. I saw uh, I saw another side of illegal immigration that, that people in Washington either didn't or ignored. Um, I was sued by illegal aliens while I was a mayor, uh, fought it all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, and uh, I've come here to... Uh, you know, to, to hold their feet to the fire, and, and, and here we are, still talking about it. Unfortunately, uh, as great an event that this is, it's unfortunate that we have to have an event like this to hold members of Congress's feet to the fire. The American people want the borders secure. They want to be protected. They want our jobs protected. Why is this not happening? Uh, I, you know, that's why we have Donald Trump as president right now, because because he spoke the language of the American people. He became that voice. And, you know, Washington does a lot of talking. 
uh, but very little action. Yeah, you're you're right, and you're a very outspoken, you know, illegal immigration. Uh, opponent, if you will. you know, And I want to clarify this because so many people have made this. In fact, we'll talk about criminal illegal aliens. We'll talk about what happened in Iowa. Molly Tibbetts is murdered by an illegal alien. It is horrific. Conservative voices and people who believe in American sovereignty and believe in protection uh, are, are outraged by the fact that this girl is killed because of our lax enforcement of the border. That's why this guy was here. Now, her father and all condolences to him, of course. I can't imagine the grief. But he has made it his mission now to tell everybody to stop talking about the guy's illegal immigration status, making it about his race. This is not about Hispanics or Latinos or anything related to that. This is simply about legal status versus illegal status. So how do you answer those who say that those of us who are here today are here appealing to bigotry and making America white again and keeping brown people outside the borders? No, it's, it's quite the opposite. And, and that's, how you, that's what people say when they want to shut down this conversation. And that's why politicians run, those that are weak. Uh, run from it because they don't know how to answer it and and i've said this you know from day one as as a mayor of hazelton it's very simple it's three simple words illegal is illegal doesn't matter where you come from illegal is illegal and and you know we saw 9-11 happen uh you know it wasn't hispanics it wasn't latinos that's right we saw 9-11 happen because our visa system is broken as well. Nearly 50% of the people that come here illegally, they don't cross a border illegally. They come legally on a visa. The visa expires. They stay here. They get lost. And then, you know, then we have a 9-11 happening. So for, for anyone that wants to, to use that, uh, you know, that's just a way to try to shut, shut people down. And, and, yes, how about the victims? How about all the victims of illegal immigration? Uh, you know, I, we just saw, you know, we, we saw what happened with Kate Steinle and, and, and what happened in Iowa. But, you know, I go back to my time again in Hazleton where we had a 29-year-old city man. This was the straw that broke the back for me. We had a 29-year-old city man named Derek Kishlein, father of three little children, working on his pickup truck. He had some words with Pedro Cabrera, who was the head of the Latin Kings. Cabrera had been arrested five or six times in New York and other places and left go because it's a sanctuary city. Cabrera goes in his car, gets a gun, sticks it between Derek's eyes, and shoots and kills him. We spent half of our yearly budget and overtime in the police department in catching Cabrera and his buddy. I had to sit with Mr. and Mrs. Kishline when she asked me, why was this man still in the country and my son is gone? Why is the father of my grandchildren gone forever? And this man was still here. And and that's it. That was it for and me. And there's no way to answer that question because no it should not have been that way. So so you, you see, you know, situations like that happen. And, again, people try to politicize the response to that, including the political climate today talking about ICE. You said you they arrested him. In today's sanctuary city world, and there are far too many of them, in fact, some have declared sanctuary state status, as you know, with California, um, you arrest them, and then... You have to let them go because they, you know, the local uh, local uh, law enforcement won't detain them for the, uh, you know, for ICE to come and get them, and then ICE has to come and rearrest them, and they're desperate, and that makes it even that much more dangerous for those, whether it be local or federal agents, who have to arrest these individuals. I'm going to tell you a real story that happened in Pennsylvania, right in Philadelphia, sanctuary city. Uh, a legal immigrant, well, a legal alien was 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 picked up. He had he had been deported, snuck back into the country, picked up by by Philadelphia police. ICE puts a detainer on him. Philadelphia authorities, because they're a sanctuary city, release him. He goes out and he rapes a five-year-old girl. A five-year-old girl was raped 
after this man was was released by the authorities of Philadelphia because they're a sanctuary city. Please tell me, where's the sanctuary for that little girl and that family? And this is just a few weeks after Mayor Kenny was uh, tap dancing outside of his uh, office celebrating his sanctuary city status. And what city's next? Exactly. When, when we when we have senators and members of Congress who are and mayors who are supporting sanctuary cities, san- you know, supporting these policies, what city's next? So let me ask you this. Let me hold your feet to the fire respectfully, of course, because you're right. We elected Donald Trump for this reason. Largely, he made this his number one campaign issue, was protecting the border, building the wall, and so on and so forth. And we all know that just Congress hasn't been able to get it done because we're busy muddying the waters of putting you know putting up a border wall, ending uh, 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 the uh, visa diversity lottery and chain migration with, well, we have to make sure we legalize the DACAs and we have to give, you know, you got to give all of these concessions in order to get things that are just simply required by law. Well, this was an this was an opportunity. You know, I saw I saw I see the weakness here. I see it every day, and I see people going in front of a television camera or, or, or on radio and saying all the right things, and then not having the courage to actually, you know, doing it. Always having a reason why not to do it. And I thought, you know, this was this was one opportunity that we probably had that there was something here for everyone. You know, if if you wanted to take care of the DACA recipients then let's put an end to illegal immigration once and for all. Not halfway, not some things, everything. Secure the border. Do away with chain migration. I mean, let's let's end this conversation. And and why couldn't we do it? Because they don't want this they conversation don't want to. in. Congressman, uh, you're in a very tough Senate fight now. You want to you want to uh, boot uh, Bob Casey, who's the incumbent out of uh, D.C. It's extraordinarily important that we gain more Republican seats in the Senate. First, tell us how that campaign is going, and tell us what difference you do, do you think you can make as it pertains to immigration. That's not the only issue, of course, but in the Senate as opposed to your House seat. Well, it's you know it's a big race. Bob Casey is a famous name in Pennsylvania. His father was a governor. Uh, this Bob Casey is not the same as his father. He has moved so far left. He's one of the most liberal senators in Washington. Uh, he supports sanctuary cities. He supports open borders. He's against the tax cuts. He doesn't represent the values of, of, of the people of Pennsylvania. In fact, his voting record is the same as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I don't think either one of those people would be good senators for Pennsylvania. Now, Bob Casey would be a good senator for the people of California, right. or the people of Massachusetts, but that's not Pennsylvania values. And and uh, that's my message is, listen, I was a mayor that stood up before anyone else in the country and didn't back down because I saw illegal immigration for what it was. And and I didn't let Washington change me. And that that's the message that I'm taking to around the state of Pennsylvania. I'll never raise as much money as Bob Casey. I'll, my name will never be as famous as Bob Casey. But, but, you know, I believe the American people have had enough of people who have been here darn too long, and uh, and I think uh, I, we have a great chance. Uh, anyone that wants to help can go to lubarletta.com, join the team. We're, we're, you know, we got to take another open borders, sanctuary city senator out of office. Well, I can tell you, uh, speaking on behalf of the listeners in Ohio who are hearing you right now, we're in a very similar situation. Senator Sherrod Brown, very similar to what you just described. Bob Casey as one of the most liberal members, and we're trying to get a sitting member of the House, Congressman Renacy, to take his spot there. I know there, Jim so. Renacy very well, and he would be a great senator. You know, Ohio and Pennsylvania are so much alike. Oh, yeah. And both of those senators, uh, Brown and, and Casey, are so much alike. And I know Jim Jim Renacy wouldn't do this if, if uh, you know, he didn't care about the people of Ohio, and he'll be a great senator. 
Congressman Barletta, thank you so much for coming here today, and thanks for talking to all the people you are. Uh, we'll get this message out there and hopefully get this country fixed. Thank, thank you. you, sir. God Great. bless. Appreciate thank it. You. Congressman Lou Barletta joining us this morning, kicking off our two days uh, of live broadcasting from FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform here in Washington, D.C. We'll get our time out now. We are absolutely loaded today. Our next guest is going to be... Well, sadly, an angel family mom, Agnes Gibney, is going to be joining us to talk about the death of, uh, of her, her son. Uh, this was a terrible, terrible situation. He was murdered in t- uh, 2002 by an illegal immigrant. She has been outspoken, as are a lot of other angel family moms and dads, about the need to protect our citizens. She'll be our next guest as we continue live here in Washington, D.C. on AM 1420, The Answer. From the Federation for American Immigration Reform, it's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Holding Their Feet to the Fire 2018. It is the 12th annual Holding Their Feet to the Fire event uh, that started, obviously, 12 years ago by... A group of talk show hosts, believe it or not, who, who actually contacted FAIR and said, you know what, why can't we do something in a unified manner? Let's all come together and let's sound the alarm about what's going on in this country with respect to illegal immigration. And that's exactly how it was born. It is now ballooned over 60. I, I heard close to 75. I just don't have a total number of conservative talk show hosts descending here on Washington, D.C. today to shine the spotlight on illegal immigration and the dangers that it poses for the people of the United States, both residents uh, legal residents as legal immigrants and, of course, uh, American citizens. And joining us now is someone who knows all too well about the pain caused uh, by criminal illegal aliens. Agnes Gibbity is an angel family mom. Sadly, that is the title that we give to the surviving parents and surviving family members of somebody who is murdered by an illegal immigrant in this country. And Agnes, uh, first of all, thank you for coming out here and joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, let's start with the obvious and, and tell us about your son and tell us about exactly what happened to him. My son had gone over to his girlfriend's house to drop off some food for his two children. They were 8 and 10 at the time. What year are we talking about? 2002, okay. April of 2002. And uh, she had gotten held up at work. Uh, my son was talking to a, was about to leave and was talking to a friend on the edge of the driveway when this known individual, this gang member, came from behind and was going to shoot his friend in the back to get even for a, a previous fight. And uh, my son noticed somebody coming behind him and said, who's that coming behind you? And he turned around and fired the gun that instant. And my son got shot in the arm and the bullet traveled across his chest, severing a main artery. And he died three and a half hours later in surgery. The, um, first of all, I know it's been many, many years, but you cannot con- stop saying condolences and prayers for you. And I, I can't imagine the daily grief that will be with you until the day you join your son in heaven. Um, so first of all that, tell me about, about this shooter. Um, it's my understanding that he was a previously deported illegal alien who managed to violate our porous you know, uh, a border or actually uh, to, to, uh, to cross our porous border and to violate our immigration laws again by coming back. And it was upon that rep- return trip that he killed your son. Exactly. Uh, this is in California, a uh, known sanctuary state where they are harboring uh, illegal aliens. And I didn't know for many years that he was uh, uh, a deported illegal alien until by accident somebody mentioned it, and then I started following up on it. But it took me like about nine years, nine or ten years after my son was killed. 
uh, obviously he had a criminal record, a long criminal record of uh, burglaries, assaults, and and uh, uh, the, all kinds of different uh, crimes. And he was physically deported uh, to Otay Mesa in San Diego. And I don't know exactly how soon he came back to the United States, but the point is he was able to come back so easily. And if our borders would have been secured, my son would still be alive today. How did you and your family respond to that news when you found out nine years after his murder that this person should never have been here and your son would be alive if we actually you know, protected that border? Well, uh, Bob, the issue is, as a legal immigrant, I was very disappointed. My country supposed to be protecting us, the citizens of this country. And I was very disappointed that they did not, that my son paid with his life because of inept politicians that are not enforcing immigration laws and not securing our borders. Speak more about the fact that you are a legal immigrant to this country. You came here from... Uh, I was born in Budapest, Hungary. My parents left in 56 during the revolution. Okay. I was two years old. And uh, we fled into Yugos the former Yugoslavia. And because my father was born in Yugoslavia, they wanted us to stay. My mother said, no, we're going to America. They wouldn't allow us to go to the American embassy. We eventually immigrated to Brazil as stateless because the Hungarian government took our citizenship away. Mm-hmm. And um, we lived there 13 years, applied three times. The third time we were successful. The other two, the application just lapsed. That's the reason I... I wanted to ask that part of this question. How do you feel, Agnes? Agnes Gibney is our guest. She is an angel family mom. Her son, Ronald Silva, was killed in 2002 by an illegal alien in this country who had previously been deported. How do you feel as a legal immigrant who fought so hard to get to this country legally the right way by applying? Uh, and as you said, the first two lapsed. The third time you finally got accepted and you came to this country. How do you feel about all of those who continue to... Um, basically cut in front of people like you and there are there are there are thousands if not millions of people around the world right now who are waiting to come here legally like you and your family did and these other people just circumvent the entire process and and cross the border illegally or they come here on a visa and then they stay how does that make you feel as somebody who waited and did things the right way i'm very frustrated you know this I don't throw the word uh, discrimination, but this is what it is. Uh, the, le- the government is discriminating against legal immigrants, and I feel let down because at any point in time, there was probably 400 million people trying to immigrate legally to the United States. We can't accept everybody. My family went through the legal process, full background investigation, full medical, uh, character analysis, the whole thing. We didn't immigrate here by marriage. I didn't marry or anybody in my family, nobody married an American citizen to to have uh, easy access to the country. We did it the right way, and it's an insult. People need to start looking. And then the other thing is people say, oh, but there are people too, and they deserve a better life. It is not our responsibility what's happening in their country. Let's say, for instance, Mexico, where the guy is from who killed my son. Mm United States give millions of dollars in foreign aid to Mexico. Why isn't that country using the money to better their country? And they come to ours demanding rights. They have no rights. That is a very, very good point. And Agnes, what message do you have? We're in Washington, D.C. We are in the 
you know, this is this is the heart of it all. This is this is where this is where these decisions are made. We've got we're we're just a stone's throw away from the Senate and the Congress, and these are the people who are supposed to protect us, protect your son. They were supposed to have protected your son, and yet we continue to see these terrible things happening. What message do you have for them? I would like to tell every politician, every uh, every in Congress. If you are not going to follow the oath that you took, that you swore to uphold, then get out of the way because you're hindering and you're playing with the American citizens' lives. And if you, your oath that you took is to protect the United States and our interest, not the interest of lawbreakers that invaded our country. And one more point. When people come from, to this country to le- illegally work here, they leave their families behind. Isn't that separation of families? It very much is. But nobody, of course, is separated from their families quite the way that you were from your son. And that's why, exactly. again, you have my deepest sympathy. And I thank you for coming here and being an outspoken voice, you know, in support of others who are, who are sadly in your same situation. And more importantly, to stop others from being put in that situation by yes. keeping these people out of the country and, and forcing people to use the legal means like you and your family did. Ms. Gibbony, thank, thank you very you. much for coming here today. Thank we appreciate you. My it. Pleasure. God bless Anytime. you and your family. Thank you. That's Agnes Gibney. She is uh, she is an angel family mom. Her son was killed in 2002 by an illegal immigrant, and she is uh, she is here to sound the alarm, and we are here to listen and to help her do that. It's 9:30 again. This is the Bob France Authority broadcasting live from Washington D.C. We are right here in the heart of the government. Coming up next, Congressman Jim Renacci from Ohio, of course, will be joining us, and we will hold his feet to the fire as well here on AM 1420. The answer. Thank you. We're holding their feet to the fire. It's the Bob France Authority, live from the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Holding their feet to the fire 2018, that is exactly correct. We are live in Washington, D.C. We are talking with lawmakers. We are talking with Border Patrol uh, presidents. We are talking with ICE uh, agents. We're going to be talking with Tom Homan, the uh, former acting director of ICE, and uh, talking with Angel Family Moms, as we just did with Agnes Gibney, an absolutely heartbreaking story. Joining us now is Congressman Jim Renacci. Now, we talk to Congressman Renacci on a weekly basis on our program, but a little different today as we are focused solely on the immigration issue here at the Federation for American Immigration Reform. Uh, uh, Congressman, good to see you again. How are you? Uh, good, Bob. Good to be here. This is such a, uh, an important event. This is the 12th year that they've had this event, and they've been asking me to come for like the last 10 of them. I was finally able to make that happen today. And there's there's 60 to 75 conservative talk show hosts here, out here from around the country trying to spread the message that that uh, Congress is going to do its job, that Congress is going to do what we sent you guys all here to do. Uh, President Trump won the election in large part because of his stances on immigration and the promise to secure our border, and he needs your help. He needs the Senate's help. And, of course, if you make it there, you'll be doing that side, too. But he needs your help to get this done. What message do you have for constituents, both in Ohio and, and just nationally, uh, about uh, you know our, our, the state of our border security and the push for comprehensive reform that we've all been making? Sure. Well, Bob, I've said this all along. We need to get immigration reform done. Uh, it is Congress's job, not the president's job. You know, when people blame the president, I blame Congress. Uh, people like Sherrod Brown and others who have been around, Republicans and Democrats, for 25-plus years, 
this has been an issue for all these years. And what they are, they're afraid to make these decisions. I support the four pillars. We should be working toward the four pillars that the president wants. We need that wall. We need border security. We need to eliminate chain migration. We had two bills out there that I knew and I discussed uh, a couple weeks ago. Those bills at least started the process. I voted for both of them because I believe we have to do something. If, if we do nothing, we continue to have this issue today where we have people coming across the border, where we have illegal immigration continuing to just prosper and grow. It's Congress's job. Yeah, it really is. And uh, and that's, of course, the reason for this event. That's why we're here trying to talk to as many members of Congress as possible to, to discuss this. Those four pillars, of course, include uh, doing something about DACA recipients who uh, who are, you know, essentially kind of left in limbo since the president and uh, uh, and Attorney General Sessions allowed that to expire, which it was supposed to do. That's why it was called deferred action. It wasn't forever, uh, you know, you get to stay. Um, the Democrats claim they care about that particular part of this issue, and yet every time there is a bill that includes not only the legalization of the some 700,000 that are actually DACA recipients, but what did the president go up to? Uh, it, about triple that amount, yeah, about 1.8, right. almost triple that amount, and the Democrats turned their nose up to it and said no deal. How do we get anything done if, they're, if, you know, if that is the level of their obstruction, that they get what they want and they still won't pass it? Well, that's the problem down here. And as you and I have talked, we have uh, a serious problem with the Democrats are all no voters now. They're obstructionists. We need to be able to move the ball forward. That's one of the reasons why I'm running for the United States Senate is because I think the Senate needs some help, too. Some of these bills, although not perfect, we need to move them. That's why I support them, even though they're not perfect. And uh, I do believe that's the answer. We are going to have Democrats voting 100 percent against anything we do right now because they don't want things to move forward. Look, we've got 4.1% growth. We've got all these positive things going. They don't want to see immigration fixed because then they're going to look back and say, look, the Republicans are getting things done. Um, you and I have talked about sanctuary cities for a long time as well, and we know that uh, Congress, or excuse me, that Attorney General Sessions tried uh, to get uh, you know defunding sanctuary cities by withholding their law enforcement funds, you know, federal grants in the form of law enforcement. And we are told we can't do that, so uh, it, that it's unconstitutional to do that. I don't know why, and maybe you can explain that to us, since the House does control the purse strings. Why must the federal government continue to fund uh, cities and localities that are not cooperating with federal federal law? Well, again, it comes down to Congress and making that a law. And it comes down to Congress saying this can't be done and we need to do it. It's another thing that we need to do. Congress right now. I haven't now, heard a word about that. Is anybody pu- putting forward a bill to, to, to say that you can't do that? Biggest problem right now, Bob, is this is an election year. As I think we all talk, every two years, the first year you get things done, the second year you run for re-election. There's House seats and Senate seats up for election, so people are more worried about their seats instead of doing the right thing. I mean, again, that's the big issue down here. So when uh, when the people say, okay, well, we're still funding our sanctuary cities and uh, and and we're not funding our border wall, what I, we have a number here, Congressman, um, that Ferris put together, literally looking at all elements of illegal immigration, from the med- medical uh, care provided to the educational uh, services provided, all the way down the line. Illegal immigration in this country in fiscal year 2017 cost us about 45 billion dollars. The wall. One time cost is is twenty five billion dollars. How can they say we can't afford that when we're spending the money on all these services to for the people who continue to flood that border? Well, Bob, you're talking like a business guy, <laughs> not a not a legislator, and that's the problem. 
People don't look at returns. They don't look on return on investment. I mean, again, I was a businessman for almost three decades. I look at those kind of things. We could build the wall and, and pay for the wall in 10 years. That's a good return on investment. Absolutely. Um, we can do some of these things and pay for, you know, e-verify. People say, well, e-verify is going to cost. It's not going to cost us money. In the long run, it's going to save us money. But we have to look at our investments just like we would do in business. We don't do that here in Washington. Decisions are made based on elections, not based on return on investment. Do you think that we will ever get this wall built while President Trump is president? Well, I do believe And that's that, in either two more years or six more years, because quite frankly, the obstructionism, and I, I don't know how you feel about the race, and I know you're worried about the Senate side, which I'll ask you about in a moment, but on the House side, numbers are kind of fluctuating, and it looks like there could be a significant you know, Democrat advantage. And if they take control of the House... I feel as though there will never be funding for something like that. Well, keep in mind that I don't think there's going to be a blue wave in the House, and I think the House will maintain its majority, but there will be a blue tornado, which means there are a number of seats where members of the House have stepped down in Democrat seat in Democrat areas, which are going to be tough to hold. So right. we're going to lose some seats, no doubt about it. It's tough to run a Congress when, when you only have a 29-seat majority. Um, I do believe that majority is going to be less. Uh, some people say it's going to be greater. Hey, I don't know. I think it's going to be less. In the end, it's going to be tough to get some things done. But the American people need to require things to get done. They need to start throwing people out. You know, we had an election last night in uh, uh, up in Massachusetts. Here's a guy that's been around for 20-plus years, and, and, the, and the Democrats put up a candidate who voted almost the exact same way as he would. Um, but they threw him out. 24 years in Congress. These are the kind of issues I think are important. Uh, about 20 minutes ago, I talked with almost your virtual twin, and I talked to Congressman Lou Barletta, uh, Bar- Barletta, beg your pardon, who is running against Bob Casey. So he's yeah. a sitting House member running against a, an incumbent Democrat in the Senate. Uh, and he, he talked about some of the very same things you and I talk about, and it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight to get a, a very wildly liberal um, uh, person like uh, Bob Casey uh, out of his seat. Uh, Sherrod Brown is just as liberal. Uh, I think he said Casey votes at, at the same level as, as Elizabeth Warren. I'm sure Sherrod Brown is the same way. So how do you how do you get the Ohio voters to understand what Sherrod Brown is doing is not in their best interest and get that seat and turn it red? Well, Sherrod Brown actually is more liberal than Bob Casey, which is interesting. That's saying something. Right. Sherrod Brown <laughs> votes uh, 97% with Schumer, 94% with Elizabeth Warren, 95% with Bernie Sanders. He's one of the three most liberal senators in the country. He doesn't represent Ohio values. People have to understand that. He has gotten a pass for the last 44 years by being the most liberal senator, by telling people he's a man of the working class. That is so untrue. But, again, people don't look at the details, and that's my job. As I'm running, uh, I've been in this race for six months, I'm trying to get people to realize he does not vote with Ohio values. If anything, Ohio is a purple state leaning red not a deep blue state as he votes. So. I completely agree, and yet he has, like you said, he's gotten a pass, and he's he's kind of coasted through uh, for a long time now. He hasn't really had anybody pointing out the things that you are, though. Is your message resonating? How do you feel about it right now? Our message is resonating. Uh, being in this race only six months makes it difficult. He's been in the race for uh, 25 years. He's been in Washington. By the way, I always tell this quote. In 1997, uh, he came out and said that the biggest problem with people in Washington, pe- biggest problem with people in Congress is they go there, they spend 20 to 30 years there, they forget about the people they represent, and they're more aligned with their party. 
That's Brown 25 years later. It's important. You know, we talk about that razor-thin margin in the House. It's even more of a razor-thin margin in the Senate. We need more conservative red uh, uh, senators, and we've got to get people like Sherrod Brown out. Congressman, I really appreciate you stopping by. I know it wasn't on your schedule, but this is such an important event, and FAIR is doing such great work. I really appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. Good luck, sir. Congressman Jim Renacci joining us as we continue live here in Washington, D.C. It is the Federation for American Immigration Reform holding their feet to the fire 2018, and we're back after this. It's the Bob France Authority, live from our nation's capital on AM 1420. The Answer. Indeed it is, and we do continue live here in D.C. We are just outside the uh, Capitol. We are uh, within a stone's throw of the uh, Senate office buildings, some of the House office buildings as well. There's a lot of activity over there today, as you know. Yesterday there were a lot of fireworks with respect to the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. Today, tech giants from Facebook and uh, Google are meeting with uh, senators to discuss the uh, allegations, and I think that's very, very charitable to just say they're allegations, of bias among those um, very influential tech companies with respect to their um, killing of conservative ideas and uh, censoring of conservative ideas and conservative individuals. Uh, so there's a lot of activity here in Washington today, but the one we're here for is FAIR, the uh, Federation for American Immigration Reform. It's holding their feet to the fire, to the fire 2018. It is uh, simply a remarkable place to be right now. I have seen 30 to 40 different members of Congress and the United States Senate floating around here talking to various stations from around the country. I have seen and talked to Angel family representatives. We just spoke with one, Agnes Gibney, uh, a short while ago, and uh, and she, of course, lost her son, Ronald Da Silva, as, as we mentioned, in uh, 2002. And... Um, uh, she's not the only one we're going to talk to. We're, we're really kind of running the gamut as far as guests. First of all, let me just point out that I will talk to another angel mom, uh, Marianne Mendoza, will be joining us. Her son, Sergeant Brandon Mendoza, was killed by a repeat illegal alien criminal. And we're going to talk to her in the 10 o'clock hour, about an hour from now, actually. But in between now and then, we do have some other people. When I say running the gamut on guests, uh, I mean it. Uh, we're going to talk... Actually, we're scheduled to talk at this particular point in time. They may be held up in another interview on another station, but a couple of Arizona cattle ranchers by the name of Fred and Peggy Davis are going to be here because they live uh, on their ranch in Tombstone, Arizona, in Cochise County. The entire family lives on that ranch, and they have seen firsthand what is happening on their border, on the border, and on their property. Their ranch is overrun by illegal aliens and, more importantly, illegal alien drug runners. And they have described what life is like for their children and their grandchildren who also live on the ranch. They feel like prisoners in their own home. Local ranchers like them in the area of the four border states going across from Texas to New Mexico to Arizona and uh, and, uh, uh, California, uh, ranchers in those areas, their homes are vandalized. Their stock waters have been drained, causing severe uh, illness and death to livestock. They are in serious, serious trouble down there, and they need that border wall to be built 
to stop that flow of illegal immigration, uh, illegal immigrants, illegal aliens, rather, uh, from coming across the border. But uh, we're scheduled to talk to them in this segment, but they're not here at the moment, so hopefully we will get them uh, at some point before we're done this uh, two days of broadcasting. We'll be here tomorrow as well. But I want to use this opportunity then to uh, go more in-depth on the numbers that I just quoted to Congressman Jim Renacci. There is, uh, if you don't understand the true cost of illegal immigration in this country to you, the taxpayer, to me as a taxpayer, you really need to hear this. Every year, illegal aliens are costing us a net of over $100 billion. Now, I quoted uh, to Jim Renacci a few minutes ago, $45 billion. That was just in federal costs. The cost to U.S. taxpayers um, at the federal level, gross federal expenditures, at $45 billion. When you add in the gross state and local expenditures, it's another $88 billion. So again, a total of over $100 billion, well over 100 In fact, it's around $134 billion. This is what it's costing us every year. And I figured I'd break some of that down for you. We're talking about your if you break this down by taxpayer, it will freak you out. It will freak you out and it will frustrate you and it will anger you because the number of, uh, of dollars that you are losing personally out of your own checks in order to pay for these things. Let me just give this to you. The net cost, the gross cost to U.S. taxpayers is about $134.8 billion. That's with a B. Make sure you hear me correctly. The total tax contributions by illegal aliens in this country, those who are working and paying taxes while here illegally, is about $18.9 billion, leaving the net cost to U.S. taxpayers of over $115.8 billion. Of that, gross federal expenditures account for about 45.8, as I told Jim Renacci. The, the, the cost to educate at the federal level, the federal cost to educate illegal immigrant children, is about $1.6 billion a year. The medical costs for children and adults who are here illegally, who do not have the uh, funds to pay for their own medical care, and of course we know that no one can or will be turned away if they need medical care from hospital facilities, is over $17 billion dollars. Justice enforcement, meaning law enforcement, over $13.1 billion. Welfare programs, literally giving them handouts for breaking our laws, $5.8 billion. These are all just at the federal level. General federal expenditures, $8 billion. So that's total federal taxes paid, $15 billion, $15.4 billion. That's the net federal cost to taxpayers of over 30 billion dollars i could do the same numbers but they'll start to just kind of run together in your head for the state and local expenditures but when you add up the federal expenditures along with the money the state pays that's your tax dollars for all of these individuals and local expenditures your local uh, um, cities townships school boards etc adding them all up the net cost the net state and local cost to taxpayers is over 85 billion dollars for the federals, feds, it's $30 billion. That's, again, a total of $115 billion. This is something that cannot stand. This is something that cannot be allowed to continue. And I'm only talking about money. I'm only talking about money. And FAIR does such a phenomenal job of crunching every single federal and state and local statistic available to give you this information. 
I'm only talking about money. I'm not talking yet, at least at this particular point, about the criminal aspect of it all. The number of convicted criminal aliens in this country removed from the U.S., the number who come back to this country, the number of victims of violent crimes, not just talking about immigration crime, the fact that they're here illegally, but violent crimes committed. It is a staggering number. And moreover, the number of children born to illegal aliens in this country, essentially referred to, often referred to as anchor babies, uh, approximately one in ten births nationwide are to illegal aliens. Ten percent. Of, of the births in this country are to illegal aliens. And this, of course, just gives them uh, more opportunities because they play the uh, family card to say, hey, let the parents stay too. Their children are American citizens. And two people have just sat down at my table here, and uh, I wasn't sure we were going to catch up with them today, but I brought them up a few minutes ago to you. I've only got a few minutes for them. But uh, I told you uh, we were going to be talking with Fred and Peggy Davis. And I can see by their name tags, that's exactly who they are. Mr. and Mrs. Davis, good to talk to you both. Bob France here on, uh, from Cleveland. How are you? Thank you so much for stopping by. Well, Thanks for welcome. having us. I'm sure some other greedy talk show host kept you longer than they were supposed to, because uh, <laughs> unfortunately that has limited us here. We only have a couple of minutes, but I told your story to an extent in your absence. Um, about the feeling of being a prisoner in your own home or on your own ranch, your Arizona cattle ranchers, you got kids and grandchildren growing up there, and you can't even you, you can't even live a normal life because your property is being overrun by by uh, by criminal illegal aliens and drug runners. Uh, Peggy, can you tell us a little bit more about what that's like? Uh, yes, and good morning, Ohio. Uh, I um, I spent years feeling like um, you know I couldn't. I couldn't uh, go feed my horses or take a walk without a firearm with me because they were everywhere. That has stopped to some extent. Um, that was in the days when the migrants were coming across uh, by the hordes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I feel that way, not because of the numbers, because the migrants are already here. There's, um, we always say Lupita the maid is already here. And now we have drug runners that are dangerous, they mean business, and they are, you know, just seriously dangerous. And so while we don't see them very often, uh, we know that they're out there. Um, Our dogs bark at night and that sort of thing. Um, and you can tell that there's people I, I, close by. I read a couple of things, Fred, about about you know your 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 uh, your stock water supply being uh, being depleted as well. You you know your livestock suffers from this and other other things that uh, that you have to do. That's how you know another way you know they're there. Oh yeah, they've put rocks on the floats to where it'll drain all the water. They've shut horses and cattle off water. Um, it it was a constant vigilance deal for quite a while. Uh, those numbers are no longer there of just the people, but the ones that are coming now are bad people. The drug runners, the, Ex- the gang members, and others exactly. like that. Exactly. What do you, what do you what do you think would be the best deterrent to try to stop that? Are we talking about the wall? Are we talking about increased border security presence? A little bit of both. We're talking about a little bit of both. I, I feel like a national mandatory e-verify it would be an important tool in the toolbox. Also, the wall is necessary in certain places and impossible in others. But one of the main things is to stop the defense in depth strategy uh, the Border Patrol has. And that just means that most of their agents are north of me, and I'm 25 miles north of the border. 
And put so the agents on the border. Have you talked to other ranchers of similar stories? Oh, sure. Everybody goes through this down there? Everybody goes through it. There's not a rural resident in our county that hasn't had a home invasion, a vehicle theft, a robbery, a break-in. Yours, uh, yours uh, uh, is an untold story. People talk about, you know, the criminal activities, obviously murders, what happened in Iowa. We talk about the uh, cost and so on and so forth. But we don't hear, we talk sanctuary cities, we don't hear about people who just whose property is on that border. <clears throat> And, I, and I've got to run here, but just very quickly, some have said you can't put a wall there because it would essentially be taking some of your property from you by way of eminent domain in order to build that because that's your land. Are you and other ranchers willing to sacrifice some of your land in order to build those structures where they're viable? A lot of ranchers certainly are. And some are not, though? Right. Yeah, and that, and that is, of course, an obstacle that would have to be overcome there. But yours is an untold story of the dangers of people who live literally. Down, down there and whose property uh, run right up against the border of Mexico. Peg, uh, Peg and Fred Davis, thank you so very much for, for stopping by it again. I wish I had more time, but uh, but we are on a very tight clock, as you can imagine. Thank you for sharing your story here at FAIR uh, this, this, uh, this week. Thank you, get Bob. out and vote. Amen. Do Amen. not take it for granted. We will indeed continue to sound that uh, sound that alarm, and we will Thank beat you. that drum. Thank you both very, very we much. We appreciate it. All right, it's 10.01. We'll catch up now right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you both for coming by. I was so- Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.